Welcome to the Manufacturing Stories Podcast. This show will focus on all things in and around manufacturing in Northwest Ohio. If you are interested in the industries that make the things we all use and provides the economic backbone for Ohio and beyond, this show is going to be for you. Let me thank our sponsors for today's podcast. They are the Regional Growth Partnership, or the RGP Northwest Ohio, the Heath Newark Licking County Port Authority, Ag Credit, Jobs Ohio, and the Ohio MEP. You can learn more about these impactful organizations in the link shared in the show description. Now, let's get today's show. All right, well, let me introduce you to our uh, two guests today. We, with us, we've got Kathy Witte, who's with SIFT, and we've got Sydney Sprawl of Designetics. So uh, I'll give them both a chance to introduce themselves. Uh, Kathy, why don't you tell everyone who you are? Sure. Thanks, Todd. My name is Kathy Witte. I am with SIFT, been with SIFT for about eight years, and I work with manufacturers across Northwest Ohio, uh, reach out to them and see how we can be of assistance to them um, as an MEP. Thanks. Awesome. And for our guest of honor, Sydney, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Todd. Um, again, my name is Sydney Sprow, and I am president at Designetics Incorporated, and we manufacture a process for applying chemicals to a substrate. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, as you know, this is our first manufacturing podcast, so thank you for, for being with us today. Um, the purpose of this podcast, as we mentioned before, is just to tell the stories and get people to kind of understand what manufacturing is like and who's doing it in Northwest Ohio. Um, why don't you start out and tell us your story a little bit, Sydney? Tell us a little bit about your background before you were with the company you're with, and then we'll talk about that as well. But tell us a little bit about where you're from and those kinds of fun things. Yep. So I grew up in Savannah. Um, my parents moved to Maumee when I was a freshman in college. So I've lived in and around the area my entire life. Um, I, I've, you know, had kind of an interesting background on my education side. I started out at Ohio State with my undergrad in ceramics and art history. Um, from there, I went on and got my MBA and then my PhD in industrial and organizational psychology. So I've, you know, uh, design ethics is a family business. So I worked in and around the business um, since I was very young. Um, I made parts. I worked in production uh, when I was in high school and things like that. So I was very familiar with the company, but I never thought actually that I would get involved much further than that. Um, I didn't know what my path was going to be, but I didn't think it was going to be, you know, the family business and manufacturing. Um, so I started working full time when I was getting my master's and never left. Awesome. That's I've, I think that's an interesting and a good path. Sometimes the family <laughs> businesses, it kind of gives you the choice. Um, you have a very amazing and impressive um, academic career. Did you did you go straight through with that or did you work in between and decide to go back or what was your path? If you don't mind me asking that. No, that's fine. Um, I did. I did go straight and I did work. So, um, you know, obviously my undergrad, I was in college full time. But after that, from my master's on, um, I did school on evenings, weekends, um, early mornings and work during the day. So can I just ask what what was the pathway thinking wise? Because it seems like a, a little bit of a jump from your undergrad to what you got your PhD and there must have been some thinking and transitioning in there. I think it's kind of interesting. What How did that come about? Yeah. So especially, you know, from my undergrad to my master's, I, you know, I, I love art. I grew up in art. My mom's an artist. Um, she's degreed that way. Um, but when I graduated, I just wasn't sure, you know, what I was going to do, what my path would be. I 
I love ceramics and I grew up throwing, you know, but I had um, one really important teacher, you know, she had a master's in ceramics and she struggled to put food on the table. So it just concerned me about what my path looked like. I didn't want to teach, um, you know, so it, it can be hard to make a living just in, you know, your art career alone. So um, a good family friend suggested that I go get my MBA because business, no matter what I wanted to do with art or something else would always be important. Um, so with, you know, getting my MBA and then starting to work in the, the business, I'm the people side of things is really important to me. Um, you know, it's, it's hugely important in a company, the culture and, and how your employees, you know, kind of perceive the organization. So that's where I was really drawn to industrial and organizational psychology, um, because there's kind of that softer side, um, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, interesting applied aspects of it, but it's, it's really the soft, important piece of business, you know, our employees. So that was kind of my path that, you know, the industrial and organizational side I kind of fell into, you know, is, is something softer that I just loved. That's awesome. What a cool story. Um, well, that brings us to design ethics. Uh, am I saying that? I'm saying that right, right, Mike? You are. Design okay, ethics. Sorry, yep. thank you. I was no, always, I'm always nervous about that. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about design ethics and its um and its mission and its history. You mentioned it's a family company. So yeah, tell us about where, how it started and where you are now. Yep. So we just celebrated, last year was our 35th. Um, the company was started by my grandfather. He was contracted. He was an engineer at the time, and he was contracted to solve a problem. And basically, in the mid to late 80s, they were looking to get rid of mechanically fastening windshields in cars. Um, so chemical manufacturers were coming up with adhesives to create chemical bonds, um, but they didn't have a good, reliable, safe way to apply the chemicals. Um, they were, you know, workers were dipping rags in, you know, not very friendly carbon-based chemicals, and they'd have to wipe them around the edge of the glass and then take a straight edge and a ruler to come back and create that crisp, crisp line demarcation. So, you know, obviously worker safety is an issue, chemical waste, um, huge scrap rate, um, you know, speed issues, things like that. So quality. So that was what my grandfather was contracted to solve. And through that, he created um, Applicator 11A and the business kind of started from there. So essentially, we are a very consultative process, um, consultative business. We sell a process, but ultimately we're a manufacturer of those goods as well. So we've got thousands of different applicators in our catalog. Um, if we don't have something, because it has to be very specific for our customers' needs, if we don't have something um, that works for the customer, then we'll um, create something new. That's a big part of our business is rapid prototyping. Um, and then our applicators can be used in a bottle up to a fully automated system, which we make all of that as well. Um, Designetics, you know, our mission is focused on integrity, honesty, and respect. Um, servicing our customers and always continuing to change and grow. So those are those are kind of the pillars that push us forward, and um, you know that we're staring at each day, trying to to um, change. That's awesome. I, I love prototyping just because I have a little bit of design background. Can you walk us through how that, from a high level, from a um, how that would, how that works is it, you said it's rapid prototyping. So yeah. you guys are testing, ideating, and then creating minimum viable products or. 
Yep. So that's where kind of the, you know, consultation comes in. I mean, our, our customers really have to give us a lot of information. Um, so we know that makes a big difference on what they need and exactly what their process looks like. Um, and from there, we've got, you know, 3D printing. Um, we've got our own CAD department. Um, we're, we're set up very self-sufficient to create, you know, whatever differences the customer needs. And then we test them out, we prove them with the customers and move on from there. Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's so cool. Um, so you've been, could you mention, you mentioned how long have you been with, I know you've been on and off through your whole life. It's a family company, but when did you join full-time? I think like about 18 years ago. Oh, okay. Time okay. flies. So, yeah. As I say, it's not, not too, not too long or not too right. long ago. Um, so, you know, it's a family company, so this, this could be answered in multiple ways, but can you tell me a little bit about perhaps what some of your favorite story or stories are from your time or of company stories? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've got so many, what, you know, one of my favorite, cause we've, we started out, um, the company started in my grandfather's garage and then he built on another garage. And then we moved to probably this facility over on Secor that was, gosh, I feel like it was, you know, maybe 500 square feet or something. It's so small. Um, and, you know, we, we needed to pull cause we were molding our own bases and things. So we would buy big containers of plastic pellets and um, we didn't have a forklift or anything. So family, friends, or, you know, the couple of employees would have to lift these huge Gaylords of plastic out of the back of the truck. And um, one of them got dropped one time. So there were just these little plastic pellets everywhere. Um, so, you know, we've got a number of, you know, just fun stories like that, growing pains, um, you know, just startups from, you know, coming out of a garage that I love. Oh, that's, that's awesome. So, so you would go there even as a child and, and, and help and things like that. I know my grandparents had a warehouse and I remember going and helping box up metal products and things. Did you, did you do that, a lot of that when you were younger? Yeah. Well, when I was really young, we all had equipment, all the family had equipment in their basements. So I used to make parts. I thought it was so fun. Um, I used to make parts when I was probably, I don't know, six or seven. Um, and I loved going, you know, to each of the locations at the one I was just talking about, there was a key manufacturer next door. And I just thought that was the coolest because there were loose keys all over the floor. And I used to go over there and pick through them. And I'm like, you know, I remember thinking, gosh, why do we make something so cool as keys? <laughs> but, you know, I loved it. I mean, all of, all of the different locations, you know, that, you know, we've had and the neighbors and just the growth of the company has been, um, you know, it's probably why I have such a passion for the business. Um, you know, I saw how hard all of the family worked, um, you know, my dad and, you know, just all of the changes, all of the employees, all the impact. I mean, it, it means a lot. That's awesome. Um, Kathy, do you have any questions for, for her about the background of the company? It's, it's very interesting, and I I would like to know how, what it feels like to be, you know, a female and the president. Um, your grandfather founded it. it. Sounds like your dad was he probably was in a leadership role. So could you share a little bit about about that? Your perspective as as a woman, you know, running the ship. Yeah, I, I mean, I love it. Um, you know, I I'm different than my dad was, who was different than my grandfather was. And, you know, the cool thing about leadership is you have the ability to um, 
you know, if you care and you want to, to really make change in people's lives um, and to really kind of put your own fingerprint on something, you know, an organization, um, you know, a, a, a whole culture. And I just, I don't take that lightly and I, I love it. And I feel blessed every day that, you know, I'm able to do that. And I push, um, you know, to make big change and, and hopefully, you know, my employees look back one day and notice that I did, I did something for them. That would be really awesome. Yeah. And it's pretty evident having been to your location, you know, that you're passionate, the leadership there is passionate and that means you at the helm, passionate about your employees. So, you know, that to us, we see a lot of manufacturers and go to a lot of facilities and you can see that uh, shining through at Design Ethics. So how long have you been um, president? Uh, Four and a half years now. Yeah. So, and I'm very, you know, I'm very blessed. I have, um, you know, my leadership team is also very passionate about mm -hmm. leadership and about our employees and our, you know, we, we are very protective of our culture and, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't do that by myself. So, you know, sure. I'm lucky that I've got a group that cares as much as I do. Yeah. It's important to surround yourself with good people for sure. So absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank Absolutely. you. Thanks. That's the question I was really kind of interested in. So thanks for that. Yeah. So you mentioned culture and, and that's something as I've been at SIFT for the last few years and we talk about, uh, you know, keeping workforce and it's such a challenge and how culture is and what kind of, uh, what would you say to like a manufacturer who maybe is trying to change that culture a little bit, um, you know, especially maybe a, lo a longer established company where, I mean, the whole culture in the country is changing, let alone in manufacturing. Where would you advise them to start if you're trying to become more of a, an employee centric, I guess is maybe the best way to put it, culture? Yeah. You know, culture is such an am amazing thing because you can work so hard, you know, to get to where, you know, you think you want to be and you can lose it. I feel like in the drop of a hat. Um, and, you know, so I'm, I'm always, I mean, it's probably the thing that worries me the most, um, because I believe it's the most important part of the success of our company. Um, you know, and I think starting off, I mean, you have to understand that culture is not something, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't get to where it is overnight. So you can't expect it to change overnight. Um, you know, and sometimes with changing a culture also means, you know, some employees leave, some employees, you have to, you know, let them go. I mean, you know, if, if it's not an easy thing, I guess is what I'm saying. And you have to be in it kind of for the long haul and you have to understand, you know, what, what the, the long game is, um, because it's not, it's not a quick, okay, we want a different culture today type of thing. That's awesome. I, I totally understand. It is not a fast thing. Um, you, you, your company is very innovative. Like you said, you're doing prototyping. You're, you yourself said you're kind of, you, your background is you wanted to design things. What kind of elements do you think are important to a culture to kind of foster that holistic, um, innovative kind of culture? I know that's a, a overused word, innovative, but yeah. like, because I don't think it can be one person, one person doesn't innovate. It's always a, it's always a group effort. What are some of the ingredients, if I could call mm -hmm. it that, to that kind of cult, creating that kind of culture? You know, well, it's cool for us. The last two years, actually, we've won on top workplaces, we've won superior new ideas. And I love that because 
that means it's embedded into our culture. Everybody here believes that we work hard to constantly think outside the box and think differently. Um, you know, so I'm, you know, for me, that's, that's it right there. I mean, it's built into our culture. It seems like, you know, the people we hire, um, everybody's super creative and we're not afraid to, you know, we put constraints around things and sometimes we get a little crazy with our ideas, but we're not afraid to bring them up, you know, and that's right before this meeting, we were out back talking about, um, some automation that we're working on, you know, and kicking around ideas with what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And I think that's just it right there is my whole group, the whole team, the whole leadership of the organization believes that in order for us to move forward, um, we have to be creative, we have to be innovative. Um, you know, and I fully believe if a company's not moving forward, you're moving backwards. I mean, you're not just standing still. So, um, you know, another way we build that into our culture is through our employees and education. That's huge here. Um, I would say, on average, um, every employee in the company either does between an internal or an external training, probably two to five a year. Um, we're working on a Lean Six Sigma initiative for the organization where everybody will be um, trained either as a yellow belt, a green belt, or a black belt. Um, and we're making, you know, really good headway on that. So, you know, it's, again, it's just something that you have to chip away at and build into, you know, what you want your organization to look like. And we want to be innovative and creative. Perfect. Yeah, I get it. Get people to be creative and yep. even not being scared to fail a little bit. I think sometimes that's one thing I've learned is you you got to, hey, make a mistake, you learn, you move on. So that's great. I, I yeah. Love and, you know, and, and you got to be able to, everybody here feels safe to bring up an idea. You know, exactly. you don't, you don't feel like, oh, that's dumb. Somebody will laugh, you know, or whatever. No, we, we say it and it, you know, it might be a great idea. I mean, you never know. Somebody so, a long time ago thought the wheel was a dumb idea too. There so, you go. You know, so exactly. <laughs> you got to um, bring them up, you know, exactly. there be something there. That's awesome. I, I love hearing that. Um, so let's just pivot a little bit to manufacturing generally, because uh, you're really a leader in that space. Um, what do you see as some of the biggest uh, successes or biggest challenges as a manufacturer from a higher level in Northwest Ohio right now? Are you seeing things that we're really doing well as a region or things that we're really being challenged by or both? Well, I think, I mean, you know, Northwest Ohio does a great job, you know, with manufacturing and the, you know, support that we get, you know, the organizations and things like that, which is amazing. Um, you know, for us in particular, I mean, we're, we're looking at things like automation or, you know, just streamlining our process, um, you know, obviously with, the challenges with COVID for everyone, um, you know, it's, it's hard to hire, um, you know, and things like that. And, you know, for us, we want to keep moving forward. Um, so, you know, those are some of the challenges that, that we're facing right now and things that we're working on. And, you know, from many of my friends and, and other business partners that I talk to, um, you know, they seem like similar challenges. Um, do you see anything that you feel like there's anything unique and special or that there's a I'm sorry, a competitive advantage uh, in being in this region? Maybe not just Northwest Ohio only, but just in the Midwest. Is there anything special about it when you talk to when you think about it for other parts of the country? 
Well, I, you know, I guess I don't know some of the opportunities that, you know, other parts get, but for us, you know, the granting opportunities, you know, the tech cred education, I mean, all of those programs are just amazing for manufacturing organizations to, um, to utilize. And, you know, I mean, it's such a, a it's an amazing thing, you know, going back to culture, um, it's such an amazing thing for your employees, but then to get support on the other end to get some of that paid for is unbelievable. So, you know, I think we're super lucky in this region that manufacturing is such an important piece of, you know, our region. And, you know, it's, you know, it feels like that to me. So I think that's really important. Oh, that's great to hear. That's so great to hear. Um, so let's put on our Swami hat for a second and look at the next one to five years. You know, the world we've seen how much changes so quickly in the last few years in everything, but in particular in manufacturing. What are some things um you think, what are some trends or things that you think might we might be seeing that are coming down the road, whether that be challenges or opportunities, just yeah, you know, I mean, I think the big one for manufacturing is kind of going back to what I said with automation. Um, I think you know, if organizations aren't looking at that yet, they're going to be, I don't know how you can't, um, you know, I mean, with the rising costs, of, you know, and inflation and employee issues and things like that. I mean, it's, it's a challenge and an opportunity right there. And we're choosing to look at it as an opportunity. Um, you know, it's a good thing for our process and it pushes us forward. Um, but it is a challenge, um, you know, for our process in particular, it's, it's very specific and, there's a lot going on. So, you know, I mean, th those are some of the things we're going to be working on. I'm excited about it. And I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to see seeing what the next five years looks like for us. Awesome. Well, um, you know, one thing as somebody who wasn't in manufacturing for most of my career, um, we I hear a lot talking about is the perception of manufacturing. And I wonder if you had a magic wand and you could in kind of change perception or change how people view manufacturing, what would you, what, what would you use your magic wand for? How would you change people's perception or tell them where they're wrong? You know, I, for me, I feel like I already did that. Um, because when I started, you know, with the company and things, I mean, many years ago, I was looking for a marketing firm and, you know, I just wanted to work with someone that, you know, I wanted, a, you know, a creative, more artistic vibe. You know, I want, I didn't want it to be just the grungy, dirty, you know, facility with the, you know, whatever the specific type of worker is that everybody thinks works in manufacturing. Um, you know, and it was, it was funny. I had, you know, so many people say that's just manufacturing, you know, it's, it's boring. Manufacturing is so fascinating. I mean, that's how we get everything we use. Um, and, you know, I always laugh because I mean, the, how it's made show on TV, that's all manufacturing, you know, and we find that cool. Um, you know, how do we get all the products, you know, every day that, so, you know, I mean, throughout my career, I've pushed to have, you know, fun with manufacturing to, I mean, I think our facility is beautiful. It's bright. It's super clean. You could eat off the floor. Um, I don't think our employees necessarily fit a mold. Um, I'm a female that doesn't come around quite as often in manufacturing. So, you know, I love that, you know, just in general, I feel like manufacturing is taking on 
kind of a new image from maybe what it was thought of in the past. And um, it is cool. It is interesting. And, you know, it is something that people should take note of. Awesome. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think we're we're kind of at a unique time because of COVID and because of all these supply chain issues that um, people are really aware of their stuff comes from somewhere, if that makes any sense. Like before it just magically appeared on the shelf and now people are like, well, it's not there. So where's it come from? And I think that is a really unique opportunity to hear companies like you and yourself kind of creating that atmosphere. I think that's just really inspiring and, and wonderful. Um, well, and we, sorry, just one no, note. Please, please. Too. Um, you know, and we, we, we take tour. I think we are hosting 10 tours in the next month and a half with various schools and various ages, ranging from like third graders on up to high school. And, you know, that's very important to us. So it does work on kind of changing that image, changing that vibe um, and educating students on how many awesome job opportunities. I mean, there are so many cool manufacturing companies in our region and, you know, so many products that are used, you know, nationally or internationally that come right out of our area that people don't know about. And, you know, I mean, to get young kids, especially to understand all the creative jobs you can have as an engineer, or, you know, even, even if you're more artistic, like I am, or creative minded, I mean, there's so many opportunities. And, you know, I think the big thing is, you know, helping people see that, giving them an opportunity. Well, that is a perfect segue into kind of my final question. Um, what advice would you give to a young person, perhaps not a very young, but a young person getting ready to maybe graduate high school, if they're interested in following or interested in pursuing, I should say, a, a, a career in manufacturing, a professional career? What what advice would you give someone who's maybe a junior or senior in high school thinking about that pathway? Well, I'm a firm believer. Um, you know, I love the idea of getting out and playing in your sandbox. And, you know, I know we it seems like we rush life along for kids sooner and sooner these days. But I do think that it's really cool um, to, to, to get students, kids out young, um, you know, if, if they're really passionate about, you know, wanting to be an engineer, wanting to be a doctor, really, whatever it is, getting them out there and um, letting them really experience what that career might be like um, with somebody who's living that because, you know, too, um, again, we only know what we know and you may think you want to do this or that, and then you may get into it and realize, you know, that's not exactly for me, but then I saw this other thing that was totally cool. Um, you know, so that's, that's the experience we're trying to give to the students. And there's a number of nonprofits and organizations that kind of do the same thing. But I think, you know, the sooner kids can get out and kind of have experiences, lived experiences, especially related to possible career opportunities is amazing. And I think it will only help, you know, and kind of foster. I mean, I love the third graders, you know, and watching them walk through and stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, we've had, we had one student that worked here, um, you know, since he was in eighth grade, you know, and he's in college now. So, but, and I think how good that was for him each year, he did a little bit more and a little bit more, but I think, you know, he's going to be so advanced, you know, he's had so many experiences already. Wow. That, that's, that's so cool. I've got two young, two young girls, a seven and 10 year old, and I'm trying so hard to give them 
like you said, just get their hands a little dirty here or there, um, you know, because even in my family, without getting too personal, there was a big push when I was younger to be an artist, right? And there was a certain mindset, an artist meant a certain thing, and it's hard to make a money, money and living, but there's so many creative, like you said, opportunities where you can embrace that. So I think that's awesome. This has really been an inspiring conversation. Um, do you have anything, any last thoughts or anything, Sydney? I, I thought this went really well. I'm, I appreciate your time. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think so. I really appreciate it. This has been really fun. Um, you know, and I'm just thankful. Um, our region is wonderful. You know, manufacturing is fantastic, you know, for career opportunities and, you know, for many other things. So um, people should get out there and check out what's in our area. Yeah, it's great to hear that you're doing all these tours and you're being approached because it is such a push in our state from, you know, with from the MEPs, from the Ohio Manufacturing Association, from all these different entities, chambers of commerce, you know, manufacturing day. There is such a push to get kids younger and younger to to see what manufacturing is about. So it's great to hear from a manufacturer that that's actually happening and kids are getting that experience. So it's 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 very positive feedback from from you about that today. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's so fun, too. I mean, the questions, especially from the young kids are just great. I mean, we you know, we learn so much from them as well. So, you know, so much. It's awesome. They yeah. scare me a little bit sometimes. To be <laughs> no, honest with you. So smart. My 10 year old. Well, thank you guys and everyone. Thank you for listening. And uh, Sydney, thank you so much for your time. We look forward to maybe talking to you, talking to you again down the road. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was fun. Thanks. I look forward to hearing. You have been listening to Manufacturing Stories, the podcast, a production of SIFT. We appreciate your support. If you have any manufacturing stories you would like to share, reach out to us at info at siftinnovation.org and be on lookout for our next episode coming soon, telling more of these fascinating and important stories. Until then, stay well and keep on moving.